0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Claims Podcast, where we talk about life as an insurance adjuster from the perspective of property, auto, liability, and workers' compensation adjusters. My goal is to bring interesting topics in the world of claims adjusting to people who are working as an adjuster now and to people who are considering a career as a claims adjuster. Today we're going to talk about something that I encounter quite often in my profession, both on the first-party side and third-party side, and that is loss of business income. Businesses who sustain damage to their building or facility often can't operate anymore because of the damage. So if the ceiling caves in, uh, they're unable to operate and get product out the door or do whatever it is they do to make money, and that results in a business income loss. There are two types of business income claims that I'd like to talk about today, and one is where a business makes a claim under their own insurance policy for coverage for business interruption Uh, that's provided by a specific policy form. The other is a claim where a business loses income because of damage, and that damage was caused by someone else, and that business that is losing income decides to pursue a claim against that other party instead of using their own insurance coverage. That doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it leads to some interesting conundrums uh, with respect to a third-party property loss. This scenario also comes up in subrogation situations. So if the business had business interruption coverage and they made a claim with their own insurance company and that insurance company then subrogated against a negligent third-party, that subrogation process will involve uh, the recovery of business income claims that they paid out to their policyholder. So we see this a lot. uh, And I want to talk about each kind of separately to compare and contrast the the two scenarios. So first, we're going to talk about loss of income due to a covered property damage claim. As I said, when a business has damage to its building or facility or whatever, and that damage prevents them from operating normally, they're going to experience a loss of business income. Sometimes it's a partial loss. Sometimes it's a complete loss. And what we have to determine is how much money, uh, how much income they actually lost during that period. And we call the period, the period of restoration. And that's usually defined by the policy. But basically it means the period from the date of loss to the date of final repair, where they can actually get back into business. Uh, but there's also a 72-hour waiting period. So it's actually 72 hours from the date of loss. That's when the period of restoration begins, and it goes out to the day uh, final day of repair. And the way to calculate that is to look at the period of repair in a number of days. We usually do this in number of days. And Let's say they had a period of repair that was 100 days, just to make it easy. We'll say it was 103 days, less the 72-hour waiting period that leaves 100 days. So how do we figure out how much income they lost over that 100-day period? Well, the first thing we have to do is get a tax return from the prior year or some period that represents the similar period of repair. If it's a seasonal business, for example, we and this happened in... Say July, we would want to compare it to July of last year. For a lot of businesses, though, there's not a significant fluctuation, and we can look at the entire year. So to make this exercise easy, let's say there's a business that has a million dollars in revenue throughout the year. We can divide that by 365 to come up with a revenue per day number, and that, that's uh, so over a hundred days we can then do the math and figure out how much revenue they lost on a daily basis, over 100 days, multiply that by 100, and that'll get us where we need to be. But then we also need to look at expenses, and we can do the same thing with expenses. We can look at their total, um, uh, the total expense load that they have through the year. We could divide that expense load by 365 and then multiply it by 100, and that will tell us what their expenses are for that 100-day period period then we can take the income and subtract this the expenses, and then we'll know what the net income loss over 100 days was. Pretty easy. Now, it's interesting that the insurance policy has a provision that says that they will also pay for continuing normal operating expenses incurred, including payroll. So what the heck does that mean? So continuing normal operating expenses. Well, if you look at the tax return, There's a section that outlines and itemizes most of the major categories of business expenses that they're claiming as expenses on their tax return that reduces their taxable income. But it also results in determining their net income. So if those normal operating expenses are continuing during the period of repair, the policy will pay for those. So some examples of continuing business expenses that would be paid for under the business interruption coverage would be things like rent or a mortgage, uh, insurance premiums. It's possible that utilities could uh, be continued during the period of repair. Uh, It's very common that you will have electricity still running. Uh, You'll have maybe garbage pickup. Uh, But maybe you won't, you know, Uh, if you are a heavy phone use kind of a business, it could be that your phone system uh, can be shut down during the three or four or five months that it takes to get the place fixed. That is not a continuing business expense then because you've shut it off. So the purpose of this part of the coverage is to just make sure that the continuing expenses that you normally incur as a business will be paid during the period of repair So that you, at the end of the period of repair, your business will not have sunk itself into a lot of debt or ignored its mortgage payments or rent payments because that would potentially put you out of business altogether. So as an adjuster, what you have to do is you have to sort through which expenses continue and which do not. Uh, if they canceled trash pickup during the period of repair because they didn't have the normal volume of, of trash and garbage going out of the facility, then you wouldn't owe that. Uh, and if they claim that you, you do, well, then they would have to show you, prove to you that they did actually incur that and that it was necessary during the period of repair. So that's kind of a micro example of what happens in a business income claim. Uh, You you calculate the net income, then you calculate the continuing business expenses uh, using that 365-day formula. Then you add them both together, and that's how you come up with the total business income claim or business interruption claim that the policyholder will have. There is no deductible that applies to the business income claim in in terms of dollar amounts. Instead, there's a time deductible, and that's that 72 hours I talked about. So if you're back up and running before 72 hours, you really don't have a business income claim anymore. You would have to uh, actually exceed three days or uh, 72 hours in order to be able to collect on that business income loss under a first-party property policy. So now I think... We'll talk a little bit about a case study for real-world examples of this type of business interruption claim. A restaurant's a great example. So let's say we have a restaurant that had a kitchen fire, and that kitchen fire resulted in smoke throughout the building. It damaged all their kitchen equipment, which had to be ordered, and and it would take maybe several months to get that stuff in. Uh, In addition, they would have to do all kinds of building repairs from the fire and smoke damage. So we would take a look at the profit and loss statement from the prior year for that restaurant. And we would do the the calculations, as I described earlier, finding their net income per day and their expense load for that business uh, for continuing business expenses. So the net income is pretty easy on the business uh, expenses side. Chances are that restaurant will have rent or mortgage payments due. They will probably have insurance payments due. Uh, they'll probably even have taxes due. And whether that's property taxes or income taxes, those are count those all count as expenses. What they might not have anymore is a utility cost that would compare to normal operation. For example, if they're cooking a lot, using a lot of natural gas fuel or propane or something like that, they might not need that during the period of repair because they're not cooking. So chances are their bill for that will be much lower and shouldn't be considered as a continuing business expense. It could be, and I don't know if POS systems work this way, but if their uh, POS system bills them on the amount of volume of business that they do, chances are they would not have any expenses for the POS during the period of repair, and that would be eliminated from their business income claim. So that's a good example of of a restaurant. Why don't we look at something different, maybe uh, an attorney's office? So the funny thing about uh, some professions is a lot of it can be done remotely. So if an attorney's office has damage and all the attorneys have to work um, elsewhere, it may mean that they actually didn't have a business income loss it may mean that they were all able to function uh, normally and that they were all able to build their files just the way they normally would and that there is no real business in, uh, income claim that they can make against the policy. So in that kind of scenario, you would have to take a look at the profit and loss during the period of repair and compare that to your sampling uh, based on the information that you had in the, uh, in the tax return. And if they compare favorably, you could then demonstrate to the policyholder that look, your income relatively stayed the same during the period of repair because all your people were able to work remotely. You did have some extra expenses and that could be covered under the policy. But in terms of an income loss, you didn't really experience that. Now, what if they experienced a a marginal income loss? In other words, they were able to work at half capacity. In a case like that, you would have to take a look Uh, at the profit and loss for the period of repair and compare that to what they would normally have. And really, the difference is what their claim would be. So it's not that hard. It just involves some math. But most importantly, it involves a real succinct understanding of the difference between net income and continuing business expenses or continuing operating expenses. So now let's move to the second type of income claim that you may Face as an adjuster, particularly a liability adjuster who's handling either a liability claim against your insured because they damaged someone else's business or a subrogation claim for the same reason. In that scenario, we'll, we'll take. The business income claim uh, from a subrogation situation first. So, if you have a claim where XYZ Insurance Company paid their insured uh, not only for the uh, the building damage but also for the business interruption claim, you will see that they will have made some calculations to replace their net income during the period of repair, just as I described earlier, and they will have a provision where they paid continuing operating expenses. You as the adjuster will have to make sure that what they paid accurately reflected the necessary continuing business expenses. In other words, did they really need to have a certain utility on or did they really need Internet service at that location during the period of repair or did they really need trash pickup? and uh, examine whether or not that's a legitimate claim and whether there's proof to back up why they, not only if they paid it, but why they needed to pay it. So again, you, you really do have to understand the difference between net income and continuing operating expenses as a third-party liability adjuster when you deal with a subrogation claim. The next question is whether, and this applies to both a subrogation claim and a third-party liability claim. Now, this relates to whether you owe for continuing business expenses as a third party defendant. So we all know that if you're a third party defendant, you don't owe replacement cost. You only owe actual cash value, which is a different topic, but there are some similarities here because the concept with actual cash value is that you're placing the injured party in the same financial position that they were prior to the loss. So if they had a building that had an actual cash value or market value, whatever you want to call it, of, say, $500,000, but it costs a million dollars to rebuild the property on a replacement cost basis, the third-party defendant would really only owe 500000 because that's the financial value of that building. They don't owe replacement cost. When it comes to business income, whether they owe continuing business expenses is an argument that you'll have to face as a third-party liability adjuster. The question will be, if you don't pay those continuing business expenses, does that mean that that party can possibly be put back into the same financial position that they were prior to the incident? I would say in some cases, yes, and in some cases, no. If you have a business that, let's say that their net income in any given month is $10,000, so they depend on being able to put $10,000 in a profit account that every month so that by the end of the year, they will have $120,000 in profit. And if they lose a month because of damage, then to put them in the same financial position they were in prior to the incident, you would owe $10,000 to replace that month of lost income. And that would essentially put them back in the same financial position. However, if they require that the facility be operating normally after that month. It may require that they continue to pay rent and they continue to pay mortgage, or they continue to pay mortgage, continue to pay their insurance premiums. Because if they didn't, they might go out of business by the end of the period of repair because they will have incurred expenses with no income to support those expenses. So the the argument The approach you'll have to use as an independent liability adjuster is going to involve a deep dive into those continuing operating expenses. And you will have to determine whether or not those are owed as a matter of placing the injured plaintiff in a position where they are no longer able to operate as they were if they don't get support during the period of repair. You have to remember that the insurance policy... On the first-party side, the first example I talked about here, that is a contract between the insurance company and the insured, and that contract promises to pay those continuing business expenses. You don't have that kind of a contract in a third-party claim. What you have is a duty to put that business back in the same position it was prior to the loss, and that in many cases, that's simply only going to be the replacement of the lost income. The plaintiff would have to demonstrate that they could not possibly be in the same financial position at the end of the period repair uh, at the end of the period of repair if they weren't compensated for those continuing business expenses during that period. That's a mouthful. What it means is basically that the plaintiff has to prove that they need to be compensated for their lost net income to put them in the same financial position they were prior to the fire or incident or whatever, and that those continuing business expenses are necessary to ensure that their business continues on after the period of repair. It's not a contract issue like it is in the first party world. It is rather the burden of proof kind of switches to the claimant to demonstrate that they did in fact require these additional expenses in order to continue. So let's talk about a potential example. Let's say you have damage at a facility and that facility had to continue employing their very specialized people because if their people were not paid through the period of repair, they would leave. And if they left, the business could not survive. And in a scenario like that, the third-party claimant could argue that they are owed that type of continuing business expense because without it, they would completely collapse. But they have to be able to demonstrate that. So those are the two issues that you face, whether you're handling first-party or third-party lost income claims. So let's talk a little bit about best practices for an insurance professional who's handling business income claims either on the first or third party side. One of the first things you want to be able to do is make sure that you can effectively communicate how these claims work to the policyholder or the claimant, depending on what side of the fence you're on. You'll have to kind of manage their expectations as to what will be required to document the claim going forward. In some cases, especially if there's a partial loss of income, you really won't be able to assess the damage until the period of repair is over and all of the records can be gathered and analyzed to determine how much was actually lost. In many cases, you'll have to collaborate with forensic accountants because there may be documentation that is no longer available because of the extent of the damage. A lot of times these accounting records get burned up in a fire. If that happens, then you'll often have to consult uh an expert uh, in accounting then, and they'll know what type of documentation to ask for from the insured and they'll have information and data from other similar businesses that they can pull from that can help to verify the extent of any business income loss. Finally, you'll want to be able to negotiate these claims in good faith. And if there is an opportunity where some common ground can be met, then uh, that's the best in the best interest of everybody because if it's a first party claim, you want to get that proof of loss and have the claim settled. Uh, you know you're you're providing a service to this policyholder, and you want to make sure that it's settled fairly and accurately. On the third party side, you're really there to protect your policyholder, which is the defendant. So you want to make sure that you are documenting that loss properly and making a fair assessment of that claimant or plaintiff's allegation of business income losses. So that wraps up the discussion about business income claims today. I hope it was helpful. And if you got any questions for me, please reach out. Uh, my contact information is in the show notes and we'll be glad to discuss any business income claims that you have. And of course, we handle business claims quite often as well. So if you have a scenario that we can help with, please do not hesitate to reach out. Thank you. Thanks for joining us again on the Daily Claims podcast where we talk about life as an insurance adjuster. Hit that subscribe button real quick and tell all of your adjuster friends to check this out as well. Join Chantal Roberts and Bill Auten on the Clubhouse app every other Tuesday where we head up the Art of Adjusting and discuss all kinds of exciting insurance topics. For independent adjusting services, go to www.auten.claims. And for anyone interested in working as an independent liability adjuster, go to www.auten.claims FQS and scroll down to the Skills Assessment button to fill out your information and we'll get back to you right away.